The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The, the following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey, yay! Ooh. That was a... Yay! <laughs> that was... That was <laughs> I had a stroke! <laughs> no. Went up a few no. octaves there, Mark. <laughs> yes! <laughs> What do you talk like this that? way? I had a stroke. <laughs> Why do you talk that way? Oh, I had a stroke. Uh, I'm on the mend. I'm on the mend. I can breathe. Unlike when I talked yay. about Andrew Galata versus Riddick Bowe, the great dick punch of 1996, where I could not breathe. But yeah, you were. I <clears throat> your enthusiasm was slightly muted by the fact that you were gasping for breath, like. Hey, a standard hey. UFC heavyweight after about 30 seconds of physical I activity. I once podcasted with a broken freaking jaw. I don't, I'll grow gills and breathe like a fish. That's how I'll get through podcasting. That wouldn't actually help you with your lung <laughs> issue, though. <laughs> Damn it. See, I just Larry. kept what. I kept laughing because I noticed when we recorded the me- our discussion on the menu, you were starting to cough pretty badly then. Yeah. But I was too busy laughing because it was just weirdly synchronized time that every time you coughed, Dorian took a drag of his cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were psychically linked that. Yeah, night. it was just like it was just like it's like a psych. Uh, well, you know, you you see the. Well, oh God, what's that word for when it's in your brain so your body makes it real? Psychosomatic. Psychosomatic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was, jo- was about to joke. It's like Dorian, you're torturing my boss on a psychosomatic level. <laughs> well, so yeah, that the night that we did the menu is when I started to get sick. And then, you know, through that Monday where we recorded the history of boxing, by the following Wednesday, I was in such bad shape, I had to go to urgent care. Um, By that point, I had missed the strange. So I'm back, everyone. Uh, I had missed the strange world review. And now it's, you know, two weeks later. missed anything. (laughs) Yeah, that movie was so. Yeah, I I slept. Like I said, I slept through the first half of that movie. And then the second half, the projector broke, as we talked about. So, um so yeah, but I've I've done my full course of steroids. I've been taking my antibiotics. Um, you know, I'm good now. I'm back. All right. So, everyone, just to recast our, so you all are aware of our cast of idiots for this evening, and I include myself in that. 
Mark Radlich is back and happy to be here and breathing well and all is right in the podcasting land of Mark Radlich. <laughs> the appropriate caveat on that. <laughs> also joining us, we have uh, Alexis. molecule out of this motherfucker. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just said I limited that to the one area of your life I know is going well. I everything else could be hunky dory and I'm just not aware of it. Fair your enough. Physical health might be up or down. Your car situation could be good. Your financial situation could be up or down. I don't know. I know this. So don't we have a movie to talk about? We do. He has and, to introduce you. You shut up. And again, that's Alexis Haina. She's joining <laughs> us again. Because, well, if there's anyone in our sort of, uh, those of us trapped in the black hole that is this podcast, <laughs> and that's going to talk about David Harbour, it is going to be Alexis Haina. Is that a joke about how much I love Stranger Things, or? Uh, sure, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, look, I love David Harbour, sure, but. Yes, huh? we are in fact talking about Violent Night, which is yeah. a 2022 American Christmas action comedy film starring said David Harbour, who was once Hellboy, as the Santa Claus. He was exactly once Hellboy. Yes, who fights mercenaries who have taken a wealthy family hostage in their home. It was directed by Tommy Ricola. You may know Tommy Ricola from the following projects. Uh, the Trip, What Happened to Monday, Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead. Okay, you may have actually heard of this one. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Kurt a thing. <laughs> yep. It's like, how Kurt could no one have heard of Dead Snow? Of it's a foreign film about fighting... Frozen zombie Nazis. Oh, that's yep, that one great. too. Uh, Kill Boljo, and then finally remake. He's got another movie coming up um, next year in 2023 called Spermageddon. Make sure I add that to the list. No <laughs> mental note to self. Uh, look, man, I did my yearly thing where I like decide uh, every about give or take every year when we get to about this time of the year. I have to look ahead mm -hmm. to the year. And I have to decide whether or not which most is like I'm going to be. Whether He's also doing a Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters 2. Allegedly. It's listed on IMDb. I'm just sticking that. I'm sticking with allegedly at the moment on that one. As so well. you looked into the middle distance of 2023. Have to decide whether or not I look at the noose in my closet and go, <laughs> not today, old friend. Or whether or not I start hanging myself and then just see if death has taken a holiday or not. There's a third option. You could quit this podcast, but that would make me sad. Yeah. I, I just love the second option where I'm thinking of you is that uh, Treehouse of Horror where Mo hangs himself, but death is not. Mm. Death has been killed by Homer, and he's just like sitting there. It's like, if I knew this, known this was going to take this long, I would have turned on the TV. Yep. All right. Um, so, it was written by Pat anyway, Go ahead. Thing. I looked into the middle distance of 2023, and... <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to me deciding not to do this anymore because boy is this there's just not there's just not much there. There's like four four you're movies get, all year. You're, you're gonna get to the point where you're like you're like seriously like I I like this friendship is fine, but I can't do this podcast anymore. It's it's physically starting to hurt me. And right before and right before I get that message, I'm gonna message you going, Someone bought the podcast. This is now a paid gig. You and you're gonna be like, shit. <laughs> hey, dude! The if minute I was... Robert quits is the minute we finally get financial backing. That's the... yeah. I, I'm holding all of you hostage in a metaphysical sense. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. Pat Casey, known for the Fox animated series Golan the Insatiable and the Sonic the Hedgehog feature films, and Josh Miller, uh, known for Same. It also stars John Leguizamo, uh, Alex Hassel, Alexis Louder with Prouder, Edie Patterson, Cam Ginnendet, Leah Brady, and Beverly D'Angelo, who did not look like Beverly D'Angelo, or look like Beverly D'Angelo, but her face was made of bread. I yeah, thought that was Linda Hamilton. No. When I heard that, no, when I heard the voice, the vo- okay. you hear the voice before you see her, and it's like, oh, well, and it's like, okay, it's obviously a well-known actress getting up there in age. Sounds like she's smoked a Marlboro factory every day of her life. I assumed it was Linda Hamilton. I wasn't sure if it was. Um, is it? I forget the the actress who does like the closing narration for the St. Jude commercials that come on before movies or whatnot. Uh, I thought it was her because I had one of those right before this movie, and so I'm a little bit surprised when I double checked the cast. I was like, oh, okay, Beverly D'Angelo. You know what? Does not sound or look. At all like she used to. Not even a little bit. I don't even think Chevy Chase would recognize her. Chevy Chase doesn't recognize himself most days. Fair enough. All right. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about like preceding this unless we have just like a random Christmas movie discussion. I will say this. Um, this got announced way early this year. This has been on the calendar all year and was one of those rare movies that's never moved. It has been in the same spot all year long. Um we saw the trailer. We put it in the network chat. We said, pretty please. No, I, I said, once I, I when I saw it on the list for the Wikipedia list, I, it's been there. But yes, once they released a trailer and we were like, oh, yeah, now we're like 100% committed to this. Um, we switched I mean, from pencil to ink on the schedule. This it really did. How that works. Um, I really didn't know what to expect because I don't even think I watched the trailer, to be honest with you. I know you guys did and you guys were like, like, I, like I was committed no matter what. But I remember you guys being like all excited, like, oh, my God, David Ham going ha- going ham with a ha- David Harbour going ham with a hammer, you know, in a Santa suit, like th- all in. And I was like, yeah, I don't you know, there's nothing else this weekend. So why not? Um, let me tell you. And, and, I'll, and I'll kind of pitch it to you to do the plot, plot synopsis after this. It's a rare treat. And maybe this is something to talk about, but maybe not. It's a rare treat these days, given the amount of nonsense that we have to cover on this show to not have any expectations and be totally blown out of the water by how good something is like it's rare for a movie to be exactly what it's advertised as like yeah that's i mean come on we've how many of these trailers have we seen lately that are like slapdash promising nothing or they're promising the world and then you get something and it, under, it under delivers in a big way. Uh, yeah, I was I was going to say, I've gotten in hot water on this channel with a handful of movies. I've suggested we review because of how good the trailer looked. And then the early reviews come in. It's like, OK, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, look, man, putting together a trailer is an art form. And there are some mm-hmm. people who are very, very good at it. And we've all been fooled in the past and we all will be fooled in the future. Like you got to have a serious nose to sniff out a bad movie that has a really good trailer. I, let me say this. Like I said, I kind of went in just like it's a movie. I, I, it's a movie I, I had to watch for the purposes of review. I had no expectations. It wildly exceeded any expectation I might have had. And, you know, it's such a weird thing because I, um, I have to I should reach out to them this year and see if they're willing to have me back. But last year I did the movies that don't suck and some that do podcast. And I, I just did their year end special. 
and I got to pick my take 10 favorite movies. And this is the one where Chris Bailey said, you seem like the kind of movie watcher that has no friends. Fair. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, you should have seen this nudie art critic fucking list I put together. This list wouldn't be that different. And this would be on there. Yeah, I mean, and it's what would be my 10 favorite, again, not best, but favorite movies of the year. Um, I can I can rattle off a bunch. And if you want, yeah, yeah. we can each go around the horn and then get into the plot synopsis. Yeah, sure. This, Smile, X, Pearl, Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, we saw the Bullet North Train. earlier in the year. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. Uh, the Menu. Um, Robert, we gushed about something else that besides Everything Everywhere All at Once this year, and I don't remember what it was. Well, we spent oh, like fresh. three hours talking. Well, that wasn't Fresh, me. yeah. No, fresh was fresh was one I gushed about with Jason. Yeah. What there was another one that you and you I gushed about. you and I spent like four hours talking about the Northmen. That's the one. That's ten for me. There you go. There's my ten. I'm actually writing down what my ten are going to be, and I've actually pulled out the list of uh, what various people have rated the best movies of 2022. Obviously, the Batman is high on the list for a lot. Oh of shit! No, that's okay. Maybe I portrayed out the menu for the Batman. Um, all right. Yeah, you I'm gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write these down, and I'm, so come back to me. Go ahead and do yours. Okay. Well, let me do mine, because I'm not even yeah. sure I'm going to get to 10. So let's have some fun with this. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so Northman, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Those are like my top two by a pretty significant margin. Yeah. If we're, if we're just talking favorites, again, just favorites, not I mean, quality. I think it can be a mixture of favorites. Yeah, again, it best. can. Like your, your taste is going to overlap with quality in some, in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I have fun with? Uh, lower, I'm, again, if I were to order these, this would be lower, but I had fun with Minions. Like it, just, it made me laugh. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't ask a whole lot more of it than that. Um, because you had a very different reaction to smile than I did. I was very mid on that, whereas you very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, rather, man, Barbarian was so weird. Like the first third to half of that movie is so good, and then you got to kind of get the back half of it because it's really, it's really weird. Top Gun Maverick was a lot of fun. Um. I have fun. What else did I just enjoy? It's kind of about it, actually. So I'm probably only like five to seven somewhere in that range, unless I really want to go through the list. But here's my list. In that's no me. Here's my list in no particular order, and then Alexis, you're up. In no no particular order, the my top ten, both favorite and I think best movies I've seen this year: The Batman, Violent Night, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Fresh, X, Pearl, Smile, Top Gun, Maverick, Bullet Train, The Northman. So I actually, there's a handful of movies you guys are mentioning that I know that if I've seen them, I would probably put them on the list. Still mm-hmm. haven't seen X, Pearl, Everything, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, and obviously there's a couple of award movies that I do want to see before the end of the year. Fablemans, Banshees of Interim. I know that I would probably put one of those on the list, if not both. Banshees of Inisherin is very good. <laughs> I've heard it's incredible. Not to mention, I already love Colin Farrell and uh, Brennan Gleeson. I loved what they did in uh, the movie In Bruges. Okay. So I'm happy oh, to have In those Bruges two is great. Oh, I, I love In Bruges. Yeah, you know, it's so funny, the connections that we make. Um, last year, because Pat's been comparing Violent 
night to fat man and i think in a very cursory way but not as much as he yeah. thinks, seems to think it is we but we did a triple feature last last christmas of in bruges um fat man and i think the ref which was that's a fun an, one that i love the a, ref it's one of my favorite movies dude, that's an interesting triple set there that's <laughs> a, a very funny. interesting threesome it was a it was a holiday threesome as i like to have So I'm going with the top eight on the okay. grounds that I know the top two would be filled in by one of the both two of those five movies I previously mentioned that I okay. know I would love, just haven't seen them. But for my top eight, in no particular order, Fresh, The Menu, This Violent Night, The Batman, Northman, Black Phone, Bullet Train, Elvis. Yeah. I don't have a major problem. That's not a list that I would make fun of you for and throw you off the podcast. Um, You're too kind. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm here for you, sweetie. Top 10 worst movies of the year. Um, Oh, worst? Yeah, top 10 worst. Fucking. I feel uh, like this should have been its own uh, show in and of itself. We'll 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 probably touch on this again when we do. I was going to say, we're going to do. When when we do. um, We'll have the. Tell you what, when we do our year end roundup. I was gonna say when we do all quiet on the Western Front, yeah. you know that the the money segment is going to be dedicated to the yeah. year-end review. But that's more looking at year-end financials. This I'm just sort of doing off the top of my head. Well, again, like we can revisit this by when we when we do that one if we want to yeah. like refine anything and anything changes. Okay, worst. Okay, number one, Morbius. Okay. Sorry, it has to be. It's because it's, up it's there. replaced Venom uh, as we're, we're going to do this joke. Congress style. You can nominate something, we all vote on it, and okay. I we all not okay. we all unanimous. <laughs> There's no fucking work. Well, so no let, one's okay. arguing about Morbius. Okay, let, let, let's all break Jonas's heart for one more time. Everyone who hates, <laughs> everyone who thinks Morbius sucks, raise your hand. <laughs> Woo! Morbius is on the list. One. Okay, uh, Firestarter. Yep. Yeah, Firestarter was pretty bad. See, here's the thing. A handful of these I know we haven't seen. Like, The Bubble. Everyone's saying The Bubble's one of the worst movies of the year, uh, but we, we didn't see it. I oh, did you guys worse. review that? We did it, yeah. We did it with um, the other anime. With the other, with the two guys from Talk to Keki. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Anyone saying Bubble's one of the worst things ever is, is drastically overrated. Like, your standards are ridiculously high. Hang like, on a second. I, I want to go all the way back issues. to the I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the year. Go ahead. Yeah, because we had issues with it, but not major ones. Okay, we Scream was not the worst of the year. Scream wasn't the worst. Um, oh, okay. I mean, selfishly, like just what I think sucks. Thor: Love and Thunder was just nails on a chalkboard. I'm not gonna. All right, hang on. I don't think all three Marvel movies need to be on the worst list of the year. I, I think we need to pick one. I'm You're nominating sorry. Thor: Love and Thunder. I say I'm sorry. I'll agree. If I only Thor, get if... if I only get to pick one. Like if if you mm-hmm. if you put a gun to my head, say I have to pick one. Yes. You make it. God, I don't know. I'm, all right, I'm gonna flip a coin between the Eternals um, and Thor. If I may, I, if you have, to, if, if for the sake of not letting Pat go absolutely apeshit, I would say if we only put one Marvel movie on the list, yeah, it's gotta be Thor: Love and Thunder. Doctor See, Strange was, go- was still uh, pretty enjoyable, not as good as his predecessor, but pretty enjoyable. And we all agreed that Black Panther Wakanda Forever it's was a fitting tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, so. no, no. I take Black Panther out of the discussion. It's really between Thor and Doctor Strange. And I'm going to go ahead and say I thought Doctor Strange was worse. But no, you guys no, no. are both voting uh, Thor. Uh, so okay, I'm not going to. Hang argue. on. Didn't, didn't Eternals come out this year? Or was that last year? Last, last year. year. Okay. 
So if if it's between Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Thor, yeah, Thor is the worst of those by a all right. Moving on margin. Um, did uh, you guys you guys saw the three five five right? We did. Oh my god, yes. Sucked. <laughs> three sucked. five five. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang. Because I've been dying to nominate this one, and you guys keep talking over me. Um, Fantastic Beast three, horrible. Yeah, that was not a good movie. Okay. Um, did anyone see the King's Daughter? That's coming up a lot on this. Uh, countdown i did not the king's daughter it came out in january uh we didn't review it so probably not oh god you know what i reviewed with jason it was terrible it was in the same triple feature as the one with fresh um uh, let me see if i can find it i don't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it was like no exit that's what it was oof no exit sucked i'm putting that one on the list i'll i will accept your nomination I don't think hey. you guys saw this, but I unfortunately did put the invitations on on the list. Invitation uh, singular. That was that vampire movie. Yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. that was one oh, of those Jason? we thought the trailer looked good. Okay, that's the one with like the black chick. Oh yeah, well, we're allowed. Okay. Hang on, we're we're allowing like streaming stuff. Anything that came out on Netflix too, like that's all fair game. Sure. Okay, Spiderhead. Oh. That was terrible. <laughs> um, are we putting Jurassic World Dominion on this list? Yeah. I don't know if it's the worst. I don't know if it's because I have two other thoughts and I don't know if it's worse than those two. I, um, it's like, I don't know that I can actually get to it being one of like the 10 worst because. Hang on. I, I got, I got, oh, guys, I got guys, two... Pinocchio. Hang yeah. on. Cause I'm not sure that's the worst just yet right. because me and him did a, did a double, did a double feature. Um, damn you hollywood and i and i remember the conversation but i also remember the movies deep water and the other one that followed it with um what's his face from how i met your mother do you remember that oh my god what was the name of that other i can't even decide which one of those was worse i barely remember deep water hang when did that come out um okay we reviewed it in march a windfall Oh God! Windfall was so so bad. (laughs) Okay, next one. I know you guys talked about recently ragging on this. Pray for the devil. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was okay. We have okay. So hang on, hang on. Morbius. (laughs) And here are the top ten movies better than Morbius. Um, Morbius, (laughs) Firestarter, Thor: Love and Thunder, The Three Five Five. You know what's not on this list, by the way, and I would fight for it to not be on this list, but it's close. Moonfall. I was about to ask, yeah. wasn't that Moonfall? Didn't that come out this year? It did. Morbius, Firestarter, it's really bad. <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder, the three five five, uh, Fantastic Beast three, No Exit, Invitation, Spiderhead, Windfall. Folks, we need a ten. Gosh, Amsterdam. I haven't Has seen anyone it. seen that yet? It's already ending up on a lot of worse lists. No, but I. Like I imagine it will. Like I imagine. I mean, don't worry, that- darling. But I haven't seen it to say for sure. Oh God, I haven't seen it either. Like so, I can't in good conscience put it on there. But I wouldn't blame. Like I've not heard a single good thing about that movie. Like at all. Like I said, I'm going through the lists here. There's a bunch. Again, there's a ton of movies that we have purposely said we're not subjecting ourselves. Blonde. To. Nope. I got it. Blonde. Yeah, that's the thing that came out. Boy, did that suck. All right. All right. The top. Damn you, Hollywoods. Before the year's end, top 10 worst movies of the year. Morbius, in no particular order. Morbius, Firestarter, Thor Love and Thunder, The 355, 
Fantastic Beast 3, No Exit, The Invitation, Spiderhead, Windfall, and Blonde. I'm happy with this list. I'm satisfied. That's, a, that's, that's up there. Like, I'm not going to complain too much about that. I don't know. The other, there might have been. Again, I'm going to go through and like we'll we'll double check some of this. Oh no, no, hang on. We might have to swap one of those for Strange World, just for the record. It's... Strange World no. was. Oh no, no, no. Strange World. Okay, I'm sorry. Strange World was bland. Yeah, not. We're not... It was. Bl- I, there's a difference between underperforming, lacking, and just doesn't leave an impression. And why, oh God, why did I watch this? I don't there... think Strange World is anywhere near as bad as these other movies. I was, I mean, yeah, like you, you threw out Pinocchio earlier, but I'm not entirely sure Pinocchio isn't worse than any of these. That I picked, but that's not worse than blonde. I'll tell you that for, for sure. No blonde. Like God, I, one of my editors, I almost got into it with over that movie. Cause he hated it. Like, like mm-hmm. we did. Yeah. But his thing was, you well, know, you know, at least there's Anna de Armas's performance. And I just, I just said, if she could have stuck a consistent accent, maybe you are very stuck on that. It's bad. And it's- <laughs> we talked for like two hours about it. I yeah. know. All right. Accents so. is a major sticking point for you, Robert. I've just noted. I, I have found myself rewatching our podcast to get uh, time segments for Mark. And mm-hmm. I have realized that nearly every show I've been on that you talked about, you bring up accents. You talked about this on the menu. You and you talked about how Anya Taylor Joy couldn't stick them, didn't have a believable accent to say she was from Massachusetts. And you also talked about this in Cabinet of Curiosities with Crispin Glover and his over the top Mm -hmm. New England accent. Well, it worked there. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that my philosophy is. I've kind of got the Kevin Costner philosophy on this. Believe it or not. If you don't have time to do it right, just don't do it. Like that. For those of you who don't know, that's why he does not have a British accent when he plays Robin Hood in Prince of Thieves. The production schedule was so screwy with that that he didn't have time enough to work with a vocal with a speech coach to get his accent where he wanted it to be. So instead of doing a bad British accent, he just used his regular voice. All right. You want to now that we've had fun um, and we've killed sufficient time, go ahead and yep. do the plot synopsis. So, Violent Night, we open with Santa Claus, David Harbour, getting pissed in a British pub, like you do, and lamenting the fact that children suck, and he spoke to my soul in that moment, and the world is a bad place, and maybe this will just be the last Christmas. He flies off in his sleigh, and then we're introduced to our other characters that we care about, our... Uh, the the one that matters is Trudy, the small child who still believes in Santa Claus at a way too old age. Still believe in Santa Claus. Who cares? She's cute. Yeah, sure. And her She's parents like ten playing five though. It's really weird. It is. It really is. Like that, I think that's more my gripe with it. It's like my I think my only complaint about this movie. But go on. Uh, anyway, her parents are estranged, but her father is the son of a very like hyper wealthy. Uh, woman who runs some nebulous factory that's made them, you know, fabulously wealthy. And they all get together for family Christmas, and we meet his sister and her boyfriend, who's a sort of alleged movie star. He's a C-level actor, desperate to, yeah. Who's an idiot. If you... (laughs) 
one of the amusing things. I the guys who wrote this, um, especially the production studio, principally in charge of this, is mm-hmm. um, what is it, 82nd North? Yeah. That's a group of people that kind of spun out of one of the most famous um, stunt gyms that exists. And they're, these are the guys who are responsible for, like, if you've seen a memorable fight sequence or action choreography, there's a good chance it's one of these guys. Like, um, in fact, one of their one of their original choreographers wound up being a second unit director on the first John Wick and wound up directing like the others. He's, he's directing four or did direct four. So these people, like, they know they've worked with a lot of actors and they've <laughs> choreographed a lot of stuff. And I just having listened to some interviews with some of these guys, because they don't get a lot of them because stunt people don't, you kind of know who they're aping with this character. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and she has, and again, his sister has a son with, from a previous marriage because um, this idiot is not that kid's father, as he is wont to tell you at every opportunity. And we're all getting together for this big catered family Christmas. And this is all, this whole event is crashed by thieves, led by John Leguizamo. They do a murder. As Santa Claus is in the building, by the way. He has arrived. He's enjoying a massage chair, because why wouldn't you? Massage and chair, homemade cookies, and very expensive-looking scotch. Very old scotch. Very old scotch. Like uh, Pre-World War II, I think, was the, <laughs> what the label indicated. So he's having a good old, he's having a grand old time. And the gun, the bullets start flying, the reindeer get scared off, so now he's stuck. And his magic isn't quite working because he's not surrounded by enough people who believe. Sort of. The magic system in this is never explained, but the characters admit it that no one knows how it works, so you kind of just shrug and go with it. I got the impression also because he was inebriated that he wasn't quite able to make the moisture happen. That's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah it's, being o- it's not really explained. You're left to sort of project look being o- being overly intoxicated has all kinds of effects on various male performance issues so you know yeah sometimes you put your finger aside of your nose and it's just not going up the chimney <laughs> just got it i well, know what i said i know what you said <laughs> I, I would have been i would have laughed more if he'd done the touch if he'd done the sobriety test touch your nose thing <laughs> okay put your hands out to your side and touch your nose <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> you had a few, sir, haven't you? For the record, and it's actually a really cute little plot point, call back to the night before Christmas. You know, it's like laying a finger aside of his nose up the chimney. He was like I thought that was a really cute touch that that was the way to get out of yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So Santa winds up having to defend himself from some of the against a couple of these guys. We get we get basically a diehard riff, and I don't mean on the movie. I mean on the situation. You have the one right. guy. This is diehard. This is diehard in a mansion, and Bruce Willis is Santa Claus. Kind of, yeah. So he murders a few people. He try he winds up communicating with this uh, the child Trudy via you know walkie talkie. And she kind of restores his faith in himself and what he does and the nobility and value in being Santa Claus. And he confides in her that, you know, once upon a time, I was a Norse berserker. <laughs> like, if we get a sequel to this, I actually just want the origin story straight up. Like, that's wouldn't it be yeah. great if wait, wouldn't it be great, though, if this was the Northman cinematic universe and he's like in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. I want that connection. You, you just gotta, you gotta have the connected universes, huh? Uh, yep. 
And at some point during, and at some point in one of the fights, a portal opens, and out comes old hot dog fingers from a, from uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Right? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Uh, that's our silliness <laughs> for the evening. So he again, he fights some of them off. Uh, Trudy runs away from her parents and the and the uh, thieves at one point after being told Santa's not real. She hides in the attic and sets up Home Alone style traps. Which are more, in, which wind up playing out more in line with how those actually would play out, right? Yeah, I, some of those traps, I was just like, "Child, you need therapy." What I like, okay. I don't, I don't want to get too far off his plot synopsis, and so we can actually talk about the movie. But I did like the fact that that was set up early in the movie with just a conversation, and there was a payoff to it. Nice, nice little bit of actual like structured writing there in the script. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, again, Santa winds up injured, but he finds a sledgehammer and is able to resume his ass-kicking ways. He fights through all the again the mercenaries who were originally supposed to be hired muscle for the family that turned that turned on them after John Leguizamo promised them a portion of the three hundred million dollars in unmarked, untraceable currency that this family has. You see, they were given this $300 million by the United States government. Thanks, Biden. And told to continue, you know, greasing the wheels if, through their contacts in the Middle East to make sure the oil kept flowing, probably because we're at war with Russia and that's a whole thing. See, I actually thought the way they were talking about it, this took place, that the money exchange took place much further back. And yeah, they've just been holding on to way, it. I was, was, I was thinking this was like an Ollie North situation. I, either way, it was meant to go to Saudi Arabia and it didn't go and it ended up in their vault. Go. And if it had gone to Saudi Arabia, the Saudi just would have given it to the WWE. <laughs> anyway. would have given it to Tyson Fury and then Mark would have been happy. Uh, give it to, split it evenly between Tyson Fury and Alexander Rusik and let's make the fight happen. Yes! Let's talk <laughs> about that. All right, let's not talk about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is this money is theoretically being stored in the family vault, which they're breaking into. And John Leguizamo again speaks to my soul a little bit when he says, you know, you remember when you had to drill holes and blow stuff up? There was something romantic about that, wasn't there? Yeah, it's like, call me, call me nostalgic, but I miss those old days. <laughs> me too, buddy. Me too. Of course, it does lead us into a world where one of the best theft deterrents for your vehicle is just having it be a stick shift. <laughs> uh, again, more violence, which uh, we end with a snowmobile chase. Uh, David Harbour is able to isolate John Leguizamo. They fight. He kills John Leguizamo by forcibly dragging him up through a chimney that is entirely too small to fit a grown man. And, you know, partially putting him through the blender. And he feels great. He's then shot. Uh Beverly D'Angelo then shoots the head mercenary who shot Santa Claus because he shot Santa, you dick. The entire family gathers around Santa as he bleeds out. And they all express that their, their belief in him, which revives him, or he was going to revive anyway, and the belief is just nice. It's not explained, but everyone just kind of shrugs and goes along with it. Santa thanks Trudy for, again, her restoring his faith in himself and reminding him the importance and nobility of what he does. The reindeer show back up and he curses at them and then, oh, wait, you went home and you brought my big, you brought my old skull crushing mallet and my spare toy bag because it got burned up at one point. He can't stay mad at them and he flies off into the night to continue performing his Santa Lee duties this Christmas Eve. And our family of 
whiny ne'er-do-wells grows a little bit closer and maybe learns a little bit of a lesson and it's all just hunky-dory and i i have very few complaints about this movie it's exactly what it says on the tin and these days that's something of a rarity go ahead alexis do your thing and then me and then robert and we'll move on there is really nothing to complain about with this movie it is okay great plugs (laughs) in fairness you feel better about yourself mr rattlich i fucking do man thanks This is Die Hard meets Home Alone. It is a bloody as hell action Christmas comedy. It's got some great moments. It's got so much gore. It's got really great humor. John Leguizamo is phenomenal as he calls himself Mr. Scrooge because they're all going by code names. Um... You know, everyone isn't giving top performances. Hell, I even love just the family. How I mean, they're annoying. They are ungodly annoying, but they're fun, and we love watching them. And yes, we all cheered when that's the airhead actor got shot. It was like, no, yes, thank you. Was more rooting for the obnoxious uh, teenager with his phone to get shot personally. Oh, I was okay with him just getting punched in the face. No, yeah. he needed he needed a good shooting. Him and Beverly D'Angelo, they both take a they, they both take a punch. And I was like, oh my. Hollywood. Ooh. How yeah. progressive of you punching children. <laughs> and, Yo, and you women. Got, hell, even the scene in the beginning with John Leguizamo walking in singing a variation of Silent Night. <laughs> All is calm. If nobody wants to get a bullet in their head. <laughs> Just again, humor is top notch. Writing on this was great. David Harbour was so much fun as Santa. It's a weird thing, but I love that he's not completely um, bulletproof. He's not, I mean, he, he clearly heals pretty fast, but he is not immune. You know, we see him bloodied up, you know, he's, he gets stabbed. He freaking stitches his wound using a hook from an ornament off of the tree. I sat up and like cheered. (laughs) I, I, I haven't cheered any movie. Like, a year ago, if you'll allow me, Alexis, if you'll if you'll do me the indulgence, a year ago, I stood up on my chair on this very podcast, this very podcast, and pulled out my wiener and peed in the face of every Spider-Man fan. Robert was there. He saw it. Gavin Napier was there. He wished he hadn't seen it. And I said, for all of you seals cheering in the fucking audience at Spider-Man, get a hold of yourself. What's wrong with you? And then I shook my child and made him go to bed. I was uh, that seal this year. L- <laughs> for the record, he's not exaggerating about the majority of that. The last third of his story there did, in fact, happen. I literally shook my child and screamed, go to bed at him. Yep. Um, on air. On, it's on TikTok. <laughs> this year, I was that seal. Arr, 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 arr. I was, he was doing Rambo style stitching of himself. And I'm in the audience with he- my friend Kelsey just screaming like, yes. Yes! And he bandages it with wrapping paper. Oh my god. Ribbon so, and wrapping paper. And I then was he collapses. so happy. Like there are a few moments in the film that have since the Lord of the Rings that have made me happier than watching Santa Claus stitch himself up and wrap it with wrapping paper while his Viking tattoos were showing. I'm like, wow, this is movie has everything. <laughs> I mean, it didn't have three Spider-Man in it, but well, you know. You can't have it all. Anyway, back to you, Alexis. 
like I said, it would have been so easy for this script to have been incredibly lazy. And mm. they put in a lot of effort on each of these characters. And I really liked it. Even the ensemble of bad guys with all the corny Christmas mm. code names. And I love it. It's like, what, what was his name? It wasn't Frosty. It was like, I think it was Gingerbread Man. He even goes, are we going to use these all night? This the Just- season. <laughs> I swear to God, I was waiting for like a Reservoir Dogs. It's like, why do I have to be Gingerbread Man? Because you're a faggot. Like, I, I was waiting for that moment. <laughs> like, no, are we going to use these all night? Yes, asshole. Yeah, why am I Gingerbread Man when we have a ginger on the squad? Come on, man. <laughs> Wasn't the ginger Krampus? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Again, there was a lot of creativity with that. I so be many Chris scenes. Kringle. had you can't be Chris Kringle. There's already another fucking guy in another job on Chris Kringle. You're a fucking, <laughs> never mind. You're a fucking Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Reservoir Dogs one too many times. Not possible. Than, Great movie. More than yes, one. It is. it is. It is like Lord of the Rings, Reservoir Dogs for me. You like are said, weird. <laughs> yes, you are. But that's beside the point. Again, the humor was terrific. I love the little scene where the they're having trouble breaking into the vault because they need mm-hmm. the code. And Scrooge threatens to shoot, start randomly shooting family members. And yeah, that little piss at teenage is like, well, what if you accidentally shoot the one who knows the code? And I just love the look on Leguizamo's face as he realizes he's right. It's, that was quality writing. <laughs> oh, dude, like, this family, as dysfunctional as they are, like Beverly D'Angelo got the biggest laugh out of me from this entire movie. Uh, it's, like, it's like after that kid, Bert, gets punched. And he, he won't shut up. She looks over at her daughter and says, when he was little, I begged you to beat him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and again, my I, soul. <laughs> and again, it would have been so easy to make Santa such an omniscient force, but sure. he struggles. I love the scene where he's looking through the bag for something to use. And he's like, video <laughs> game, video <laughs> game. Doesn't anyone want a bat? Or a sword <laughs> yeah, or a Molotov cocktail? <laughs> I to that extent, I'll we can we don't have to necessarily wait turns. I think we can just bounce this around. To that extent, I like the fact that they made him. This was clearly kind of like a Santa Claus kind of a thing, where not everybody, er, many different people have been this entity. He's been the last one, and he's done it for thousands of years, and he doesn't quite get it. I like the fact that he doesn't know how his bag works. I like the fact that he doesn't know how Christmas magic works. Like he has enough of an inkling of what's going on to do Santa stuff and to make the magic happen on Christmas Eve, but no more than that. I also like, and and it had like like a religious overtone to it because if you think about monotheistic Western religion, there is the non-interfering God, and that's what he's talking about throughout this movie. He's like, I'm not, I don't want to be involved. Like if you'll notice. He only gets involved after he bonds with Trudy and really only to save Trudy because Trudy believes and she's an innocent child. But up to that point, like he knew they were there. And other than like the fact that his reindeer fucked off, he wasn't going to get involved. And he kept saying, like, I'm just Santa Claus. I'm here to deliver presents. This is not my thing. Like you want to have a hostage takeover, have a hostage takeover. It's not my it's not my scene. And I like that, you know. I like the fact that even though he was kind of a Santa at the end of his rope, he wasn't so detestable that you're cheering against him. You want him to fail, but he's not so um, 
he's not so pure and he's not so good that he that he's too saccharine and not the kind of uh steampunky and anti-authorian uh entity that you want him to be like he really rode that line the, the the writing on this is like that crisp that he rode that line really 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 well and well, the other thing i really like about this movie is how you know we start with him being a reluctant hero and over time he sort of like finds his mojo and he gets involved and he starts doing a thing and it isn't until the second half of the second act that we really start to see him go nuts and become like a viking warrior in a santa outfit and start whacking people with a hammer like it really did a good job of slow building to what we all came to the dance for and I make a mention of it because so many films this year have done a piss poor job of that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the structure and um, uh, tempo uh, pacing have been so off with so many movies this year. And we find ourselves saying like, oh my God, just get to the mall already. Like this Didn't took we, forever. I mean, come on. We talked about Black Panther not that long ago. Like, right. Golly. Yeah. You know, my son's thing, like, why was there five minutes of Black Panther in the three hour Black Panther movie? But I think there was another movie no, we recently. We talked about this on Andor. I was like, why did it take three episodes to get off planet? There was another movie that we talked about recently where it was like, it took forever to get to the thing that we all came to the movie for. And then by the time it happened, you were like, oh my God, I just want this movie to be over already. Um, and I can't remember which one it was. It was something recently that we talked about. So it was it had to have been prior to Strange World. But um, might have been the menu. Now that I'm thinking about it, like there was some pacing issues. Um, you had a few pacing issues, yeah. Um, and maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But this one I thought was like paced perfectly. By the time we get to him like going full horror monster in the shed, you're ready for it. And there was enough of him having interactions and violent interactions peppered throughout this that when you finally get there, it's like, yay, we're here. But I'm happy to be here when we got here. Not like it didn't need to happen sooner. It didn't need to happen later. It kind of happened perfectly. I cut you off, Alexis, but I wanted to throw those points in. Another thing I really liked about this is I love a movie that pay attention to the little details. Hey, Zach. Uh, in the background. I love little things like when we had the montage of Santa going through the houses and so many of them just put mm-hmm. up a freaking box of cheap cookies. The guys who put the Nilla wafers didn't even put it on a plate, just put a box of Nilla wafers out for <laughs> Santa. Or the uh, isn't that the isn't that the house that he um, like he doesn't even have anything wrapped? It's just a bunch of Amazon boxes under the tree. Yeah, I I hate to say it, I was laughing so hard throughout that thing. I that may funny. have missed some of the transitions, so I don't know if that was. What, but I remember, yeah, even that, I was like, oh, oh, that's ju- that's just painful, <laughs> folks. For the record, I don't. If you buy all your gifts from Amazon, fine, you know, welcome to the majority of our country. But for the love of God, wrap the gifts or pay the extra fee and have them do it for you they'll send you a nice little gift bag or they'll wrap it you know like believe me somebody who spent an extra buck to not have to wrap gifts amazon will wrap it for you yeah if you can't wrap gifts buy gift bags i got made fun of for years because i used to suck at wrapping gifts (laughs) and every now every time i tried to yeah every time i tried to wrap a gift it was like okay this one's obviously from alexis because it looks like utter shit (laughs) so just yeah don't don't ever do what that family did guys one other thing i want to bring up um, i don't know if you agree with this or not i like the fact that the family also wasn't fully detestable the way you wanted to see them get shot by john leguizamo but they weren't so um, 
they, they also weren't saccharine either. Like, you get the fact this is a shitty family and that this is an opportunity for this family to get a little bit closer and get a little bit better and do, and, and do a little bit better throughout the course of the movie. Um, again, I thought the writing was really crisp here about, no, no, these are not great people, but they're not so bad they deserve to die. Which is another really fine point in script writing these days. That it really is. The, mm -hmm. th that's a that's a that's not the most difficult line in the world to walk, but for it's getting some increasingly reason, difficult to find the it brother in film I, now. That would be the brother I referenced. His his rapping <laughs> is the stuff of legend around here. It is so <laughs> not good. Like, yes, Ro Robert's brother says, "Hey, me too. I'm absolute trash at rapping gifts." And Zachary Strobel, who's in our comments watching on YouTube, says, "Hail Santa!" Thank you, Zachary. <laughs> But yeah, I it, it is getting. We have noticed over the course of uh, Damn You Hollywood this year how harder and harder it is to write crisp, clean, middle of the road, accessible, relatable characters. Everyone's either one extreme or the other. Um, it's been it's been a big criticism that we've had, and I thought I thought one of the superior elements of this of this feature was the character, the, the strength of the character writing. They hit no, the pitches I, just sorry. right. No, no, go ahead. I'm saying they hit every character is, I think, pitch was just right. I think the only one that's off for me is the kid. Like I said, she's like nine or ten and she feels four or five. Eh, it's like the most that's the biggest complaint I have. I'll say I even love a little detail that when they're actually when they're opening the gifts, because, yeah, mm -hmm. one of the one of the uh, gunmen is just like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's open some presents. And even that's right. freaking hilarious. Mm hmm that the daughter okay so first of all i think we could all agree when the actor gives the pitch to gertrude <laughs> just like so I, I think at that point we're like kill this guy we're not going to be sad <laughs> but the fact what that better gift than a golden opportunity to spend money on me pretty much <laughs> But the daughter gives her, she says, it's a picture of us when I was born. And I looked at that. It's like, okay, so here's the thing. I have been incredibly poor and I have had years where it's just like, all I can do is give you one of my pieces of artwork mm -hmm. or something, you know, because I cannot afford gifts. And I looked at that and I was like, that is, and I could even see that is the cheapest frame. Even the frame <laughs> you could tell was ridiculous like it, you just realized she is the biggest cheapskate on the planet and again great little extra detail on the character setup all right um we last 10 minutes i want to throw it over to robert because um i thought the movie was near perfect like i could i could gush for another hour about it i don't want to really spend that time this is my my final statement basically is i, I thought it was pretty pitch perfect I had so much fun with this thing, like really not since the Batman that I like stand up and fucking cheer at any point during the movie. Like this really was, this was like the surprise hit of the year for me because there were certain things where like X or smile or something where I was like, I really enjoyed that. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. I didn't stand up and cheer either. This one I did. Like I was like hooting in the theater. I was having the world's best time and considering what tripe we've had to dig through this year, I'll take it. So I want to give it to you to kind of back clean up here, Robert, and then let's move on. Uh, yeah, again, I laughed at various points in this movie. There's a lot of good humor. You mentioned the character writing. It's hard to write my own. There's a couple of minor, like individual points where I have issues with some of the writing choices, but they're very minor. 
um, like there's an issue near the end when our uh, estranged couple are fighting off a goon and they're struggling with him, which I actually appreciate. Like uh, someone who's basically cannon fodder for your hero can be a big deal for the average person to overcome. I, I appreciated that. It, it just kind of felt like they went out of their way to make a little bit too much fun of the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like there, I don't mind him not being, like, he's not a very competent fighter. Okay. He's not trained. Makes sense. He's a bit of a dweeb. He is. And they just leaned a little bit too hard into it to the point where like his entire presence in that sequence becomes questionable. <laughs> He doesn't contribute anything. Uh, the wife makes her own save by stabbing the guy in the throat with an icicle. Like it, 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 it's just a again, it's a very minor nitpick. So I'm not here saying like how dare you, but if we're right. if I'm gonna be nitpicky, that could have been structured better. He could have done something useful in the course of that fight. Um, the movie's an hour and fifty minutes, give or take. Yeah, it's just under two hours. It's a little long. Uh. This I, I I felt like it earned its length. I didn't think I, did I thought it was I thought it was kind of perfect, but I'm not going to fight you on it. It dragged for me a little bit in the middle. Okay. Um, I'd have to go through and like specifically weed out like which scenes need to be redone and whatnot. But I'll, I'll tell you this: we probably don't need two scenes of the same shot of him being a Norseman. Yeah. Either do more with it, or don't do it twice. Well, I mean, the first one I thought was an interesting tease because I think at that point we're all going, wait, what the hell, Santa? They don't and do then... much more with it the second time around. They just do a wider shot. Okay, admittedly, I think it would have worked better if we could have gotten at least one line of how he went from Skull Crusher to Magic Bag of Toys. I would have liked to have seen him cutting through people. And you're right. It might have also been nice to see him be granted the Santa magic. But again... To, to Robert's point, if you're going to shave time off of this, cut one of those. If you're going to do it you, twice like that. You can trim that down. There's a couple of conversations between Santa and Trudy that are redundant. Sure. And, again, there's just little things. I think you could probably shave about five minutes out of this. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> again, like, the difference in that five minutes, it can feel like it can feel like you shaved a lot more than five minutes of runtime if you do it intelligently. So, and to be clear, once again, this is a minor quibble. Like, I wasn't waiting for this thing to end. Like, please, please end this. Mm-hmm. There's just a few different points where I kind of went, all right. I get, you know, it, it's just, it's a little bit slow, and it drags just a little bit, um, but not nearly as much as plenty of other things we've seen this year. Like, I'm not sitting sure. here going, why did this whole scene exist? It's more, <laughs> it, you need a finer touch to kind of go through and uh, trim this up, I think. Okay. I think we can also agree the action scenes were great. And for, oh yeah, These this was actually something I was kind of surprised about. I was the tiniest bit worried that we had seen the best kills in the trailer. Oh, not, yeah, not yeah. even close. Yeah, no, I yeah. was going to say, this guy getting the star in the eye and then plugging it in. <laughs> plugged, oh, that was so good. The, Just the even, like the hammer, tra- even like the hammer strikes in the uh, in the shed, mm-hmm. in, the, in the warehouse or whatever the fuck he was, the barn. Like the hammer strikes in the barn, like that. His whole like taken out of the uh, mercenary unit, that none, almost none of that I think is in the trailer, and it all is fantastic. The uh, candy cane shiv is. That's the only okay. part of it that was because because I remember I know because that was the line I used to persuade my best friend to go see the movie with me. 
It's like, and then makes okay. a candy, makes a shiv out of candy cane, and he stabs a guy with it. But oh, yeah, really? like the scene with the, the, oh my god, the scene with the kid at the Home Alone traps. Yeah, right. we, we, I thought for sure that she was gonna, because yeah, at first we were like, you know, the only point of booby traps is they don't work if you see them. And then I thought that was what they were gonna do, that she had just made these cutesy little booby traps that no one would fall it for. It didn't actually work. Yeah. And then Gingerbread Man gets the nail in the throat. <laughs> and it's all downhill from there. Tell me I'm not the only one that when he held the nail up like oh, this. Oh, you knew it was coming. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I actually was, said, put the nail down. Put the nail down. It was totally telegraphed, but it's one of those where like, it's, you know, it's almost like a money shot. Like, you, you see it coming. You know it's going to happen, but it's so satisfying when it does. Right, Robert? Uh, why do you have to make everything gross? <laughs> how long have you been on this network? It's like, hi, I'm Mark. No, no, no. Met? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've never asked why you have to do it. Like, I know that you do it. I expect it. I occasionally wonder about the motivation, but we'll leave that alone. Well, I'm curious. Make... If you had to pick, what was your favorite kill in the movie? Um, That's a tough one. I think the guy getting him going into the wood chipper. I just wood chipper death. Snowblower. Snowblower. Yeah, that okay. one made me laugh pretty damn hard, one. too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the snowblower one was good. Um, I know yeah. it, it was in the trailer, but the guy getting the grenade as the lump of coal in his. Oh, stock. my God. Yeah. I, see, again, I didn't watch the trailer, so I laughed loud and hard at that. Oh, especially when he stops and goes, yeah, I got to look. Watch. Yeah, and then <laughs> he laughs great. about it. Santa laughing at an immolation. Yeah, there's uh, again like my my grabs with this are very very minor um this is a lot of fun david harbour does a great job in the acting department it, it's difficult to it's hard to you know sell a gleeful maniac as something mm -hmm. to kind of get behind but he's able to strike the right balance between all right i'm gonna bust some heads and still kind of being a you know a, having there be a core of humanity to everything that's going on yeah. He actually is able to say the phrase Santa Claus is coming to town and it doesn't make us all want to just bash our heads against the wall. Yeah. It wasn't quite Freddy Krueger, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Anything uh, else, Robert? If not, we're going to move on. No, this is, again, this is exactly as advertised. It's a good time. If you think you might enjoy it, you probably will. So. All right. Um, yeah. You know, there was a really quick before we end this discussion. And, and I know you have, like, I think a niece that's around the same age as my kids, Alexis. Robert, I don't know if you have nieces or nephews around the same age as my kids. But there was a conversation about, do you show an 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old this movie? Mm, and yeah. I've now I've shown my kids Scream. So I think, depending on what you've already shown your kids, if, you, if you're like me, and you have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old who over the past year or two, they've seen this two Scream movies, they've seen Aliens, They've seen some, they've seen bullet train. They've seen some stuff. I would say plus or minus. This isn't that much different than any of those. What do you think, Alexis? <sighs> Obviously, if you're the kind of parent where like, you don't show your kids anything even close to this, like they're not watching anything above a PG rating. The conversation's right out the window. There's like nothing to be, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, but for, I, it is for whatever my, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Robert. For whatever my take's worth on it, for me in this instance, the violence is just a little bit higher than Screamer Aliens. You think so? It's a little bit different kind of violence. Like, it's, it's more to just say violence. violence. It is, but... 
See, I, I would well, argue this is on the par at least with Scream because Scream has that horror element to it. In theory, but Scream's the most recent Scream was also very tame. If we're talking, I'm about talking like, about the original Scream. Oh, the original with a gut and drew Drew Barrymore in the first scene. Yeah, okay. If you meant the original, yeah, this is definitely this is more on par with the original. Like I thought you meant the most yeah. recent one. Like, no, well, no, that was pretty about... weak. Right. I was gonna say I've shown my kids more the first Scream movies at home. Like I wouldn't take my kids to go see this in the theater, and I did not. But I think showing this at home once it's on PBOD or it's on Peacock, which is not a real service, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, if your kids are used yeah. to this sort of level of violence. And I'm Again, throwing it, it to you guys be, for your comment. I am lousy might be a bit much. The language might also be a bit much here because this I, again, the, this one goes a little bit I've, hard on the language. I don't know. They've also listened to this podcast. Alexis, I'll give you the final word and we'll get out of here. I'm honestly really lousy at telling what something is good. Giuseppe, go ahead. You know what my Christmas wish is, Mark? What what would that be, Giuseppe? For you to unplug that stupid thing! I had it off. I don't know who put it back on again. But anyway, continue what you were saying, Giuseppe. <laughs> It's I'm gonna ask that, that you can we this is this is a Wendy's, madam. I'm gonna ask that you take this seriously, please, Giuseppe. Just for, just for the record, this is funny to me because I saw the uh, there's a very famous like photo of an interaction on the internet somewhere. I forget the social media site, but it's just someone going, you know, Italian mothers be like, we had nine months and they still just name their kid Giuseppe. <laughs> and then, uh, then under that is someone whose first name is Giuseppe going, well, fuck you too. <laughs> Anyway, if you'll please continue. Oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh, God, I hate you so much, Mark. I understand. Please continue, Giuseppe. We got to move on. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Okay, I was just trying to say I am very lousy at saying what is uh good for kids to watch because i grew up in a fairly conservative house i was not allowed to watch freaking ren and stimpy as a kid you know i was at a cut my cousin's house and she's got uh two daughters one's a tween and one is um like i want to say 10 and they she walked in on us watching hell of a boss and i was like oh no she shouldn't be watching this and my cousin her mother's like oh I don't care. Let her watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going like, well, that's not the way we were raised, but whatever. <laughs> so I am probably not the best person to judge on whether or not you let a little kid watch this. Okay. Mark, sweet. <laughs> and on that note. Hang on. Is this supposed to be UI? Does it really matter at this point? I just want to embarrass <laughs> fucking the what? Alan over here. <laughs> Let's move on to the money so I can laugh at Black Panther, please. That was great. We're in the money. We're in the money. All righty. On a budget of $20 million, this thing has made $20.7 million. So anything it makes after this point is gravy. Uh, presumably it'll be uh profitable for universal but one never knows um it'll probably get over the 40 million dollar mark yeah um it was not do you have two monitors do i have two monitors i have my computer and then i have 
just a straight monitor that I plug my Roku stick into for like when I do when I used to do boxing and stuff like that. Why? Okay. Oh, when I got to host it, I had to pull up the money and everything. I was having the hardest time ju- jumping between the two windows on the size of my screen. Okay. And I was, and I was actually I was like, does Mark have two freaking monitors? Because he makes this look so easy. Uh, no, I'm doing it on one screen. All right. Um. So. Yeah, the uh, number one movie of the weekend was Black Panther. It was a holdover from the previous weekend. Violent Night okay. debut number two. Yeah, the thing about Black Panther at the moment, uh, that's yes. a 61% drop from what it did last week. It took in less than $20 million. Um, It's still something of an open question at this point whether or not Black Panther beats the Batman. Like It might, but I don't think it hits $800 million. And It might not. This, when this you whole can, year has been sort of like depressed in terms of financial returns. Well, I mean, you think a lot you, of people are going to go see Black Panther over the Christmas weekend. I am. I don't know. I here's what I'm going to tell you: no, the further no, away we get from the further we hang on, the further away we get from opening weekend. Now that the word's out about the 45 day window, the less likely it is that people go see it at all. I imagine not because Avatar will be out by then, and I think that's going to eat up whatever yeah. that kind of holdover would have been. Um, the thing about Black Panther, you have to consider this. The thing had like a $250 million budget. And when you count it, when you factor in the advertising and the marketing, which is you spend usually close to the film's budget on that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what it, I don't, again, we don't know exactly what it was, but it was not cheap to promote this movie. They spent a lot of money on it. Right. They were, it's pretty clear they were expecting slash banking on this to hit the billion dollar mark, and it's not going to. Let's go back a second. I don't want to spend too long on this. I really don't want to do an extended money segment, but think about this. Phase four was to come out storming out of the gate in 2020 with Black Widow and then Eternals and then Doctor Strange and Thor, yada, yada, yada. Also, we were supposed to have Disney Plus shows starting in 2020 that coincided. So everything was supposed to roll along smoothly. Shit didn't start happening until 2021. And then everything got screwed up because you ha- you started having day and date releases on Disney Plus. Um, shows got shown out of order and got delayed. There was delayed shooting for Falcon Winter Soldier. There was delayed shooting for WandaVision. A lot of reshoots. Doctor Strange got pushed back from even further back from where it was supposed to land, even after the COVID pushback. So when you think about where they, when they, when they greenlit Black Panther, the world was different and they thought they were going to have momentum. Well, also they thought they had Chadwick Boseman. I was going to say like, they thought they would have momentum for the property and they thought they'd have their star. Right. Both of which are kind of important. Like, I, I mean this in all sincerity, if we get the if we got the original script that was kind of being kicked around by Coogler mm-hmm. and we have Chadwick Boseman in the lead, like even with the pandemic, again, a billion is still a bit much probably, but it pro- I imagine it would crack eight hundred without too much difficulty. Right. Now if it gets there, it's gonna it's gonna Here's the other problem again. That line. Marvel is we talked about phase four being a rebuilding. They now have to rebuild after the rebuild. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about how I don't want to do, I'm going to do more about this on Thursday with Jeff. Jeff kind of pleaded his case about talking about how woke killed Marvel. I'm going to let Jeff have his say, but to a small point of what Jeff is trying to get across, for those people who got through phase four and by the end of it found it wanting, 
by the time we get to Black Panther, a lot of people have like lost their interest in Marvel movies. You, you know, know, there's just even if you take away the even if you take away COVID and and the lockdown, dude. There was a there was a poll. There was a some market research done of that Disney mm-hmm. did. I think. Mm-hmm. There, I think like a majority. Bear in mind, people likely to respond to this would be you know people who care, right? Like the number of people. Like, there was something like sixty to seventy percent of the like existing Marvel fan base that was a little bit tired of the output and everything. Like they're they're burning through their fans. I don't even mean like like well, there's just so much they're expected to kind of at least be cognizant of. Right. Well, Alexis, you're our gro- Alexis, you're our groveling Marvel apologist. I mean, and you got to be on Jeff shows for most of the last year or two. Did you find that a lot of people were like super thrilled about the Disney Plus output? The ones we had on the show, most of us had pretty positive things to say. Okay. I, but in all fairness, it is entirely possible that Jeff did more outreaching to other Marvel enthusiasts. Right. People that, again, other groveling Marvel apologists. Um, Just to the notion of woke killing Disney, I'm not going to call it woke. Um, I don't want to steal any Jeff's thunder either. We'll have the further discussion about that. Well, again, like you guys, you guys are going to have that discussion. So let me make my point because I'm not going to be on that show. Sure. If you look at the last like few Marvel movies, somebody else mm-hmm. pointed this out to me and I realized it's true. If your lead hero is a male hero, he is always surrounded by at least two other women who are hyper competent doing right. like and I couldn't unsee it. Well, I mean I, that was uh, that was our complaint about Doctor Strange and then Thor. But I mean if you think about it there's only been what five movies there well, was Black Widow, Eternals, Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther. Well, okay, so you've got those, right? And mm-hmm. the, the, again, there's kind of an open question about how much you know uh, male heroing is going on in there. Mm-hmm. Lest I be accused of this, I don't have a problem with female-led superheroes. I have a problem with the misdirection that goes on in some of these. Yeah. Yeah, how about take a look at Ant- the next Ant-Man movie? Right. You've got Ant-Man, and who's around him? Wasp, Wasp. and Kate and Cassie. Wasp. His daughter, Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. And which of them? And again, I guarantee you, Ant-Man is probably going to wind up being the least heroic out of them. So to cut this a little bit short, I, you know, when you think about, we were talking about, like, why is Black Panther struggling? We've enumerated, we talked about this when we did the review. We talked about it at length. We've enumerated it. All year long, we've been talking about sort of the decline of Marvel all I wanted to say is I think Black Panther is really indicative of where we are with Marvel right now, yeah. which is they now have to rebuild after an entire phase that had everything working against it, including its own lack of creative competency. Moving on. Um, Violent Night debuted at number two. Strange World fell from two it. to three and is bombing hard. Oh, yeah. What is we it like? About this. What did we? I, 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 yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to your review yet, but what are they talking about? Like a $200 million loss on that one? Hundred million 100, at least. Hundred million dollar loss. Hundred okay. million minimum. The higher end of that is like in the hundred and fifty million range. Here's just for the sake That's of embarrassing. For the sake of comparison, mm-hmm. if you're not aware of like one of the biggest bombs of all time, maybe the biggest, depending on how you want to calculate this. It's a movie called Mars Needs Moms. Oh yeah, God. which was shot. I didn't realize. For- I didn't realize Mars Needs Moms did worse than John Carter. Like I thought, John Carter was the biggest bomb, and in- John well, John also Carter- Disney. Well, hang on. John Carter lo- might have lost more money if you look mm-hmm. at like the production history of it. Right. But if you look at like, because John Carter made like two hundred million dollars, right. which 
was not what it needed given how stupidly expensive it was. Right. Mars Needs Moms cost, I think it was $130 million and made 30. See, the other one I thought was I thought was a giant pile of uh, burnt money was Ben Hur. But they, they, no, it's you're right. It's Mars Needs. Every, every other podcast I've listened to that talk about this, it was Mars Needs Women. So, so to, to bring this to the point, Strange World cost. 150 170 million something in that range at the moment i think it's sitting around 40 yeah so we're talking about a giant like this is a catastrophe if i'm half convinced the reason they got rid of chapik and i'm not not kidding about this because if bob chapik were still in charge of disney after this Heads would be rolling in the Disney Animation Studio right now. Um, according to what I've read, Bob Iger's still going through with like the hiring freezes and firings. Well, no, no, no. He's gone through with the hiring freeze. The layoffs mm-hmm. are the layoffs are not. Uh, you can only write down so much. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Some I'm aware. Jobs. <laughs> hold on, I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. You're aware of that, but poor. But you know these idiots are are groveling to the DIE, the DEI spe- subgenre of. Mm-hmm. management like they he's gonna wind up trying to put that off as long as he could when they should look if you put out a movie that costs almost 200 million dollars to make and you gross less than 70 which mm-hmm. is kind of what we're looking at here when it's all said and done yeah people should be fired over this yeah absolutely should be and that's like you know lest we be accused of being like anti-lgbtqi or anything else like that this is strictly about dollars and cents you made you made you bad me- you made products that don't sell you need to you, lose your job. End of line. Yeah. Again, you want me to? Ye- I'll yeah. I'll yell about the writing and that kind of stuff. And I did when we reviewed it. This is I yelled not- about the marketing mishandle and how they didn't capitalize on any kind of <laughs> selling point as far as merchandising, which yeah. let's face it is one of Disney's strong points, and they right, that, totally screwed that up. That Chris Bailey, friend of the show, that's his big thing. It's like Disney doesn't put out things that create toys that make the noise. All right, we got to move on. Um, yeah. the menu. Uh, last week was five, went up a spot to four, traded spots with Devotion, which fell from four to five. I heard the bells, maybe number six. Black Adam, another giant fucking flop. That thing, um, boy, there are some conflicting reports about the financials on this, just for the record. I've, he- I've heard it's bound to lose like a hundred million dollars. Well, hang on. That's what that's what certain people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Variety is the one that quote was quoted on that. Mm-hmm. The counterpoint from people again, like the other kind of thing being bandied about is no, it's not going to lose a hundred million dollars. It's actually about at its break even point. Now it's not a big hit, but we're not going to take a bath on it. You're getting the people saying it's going to lose a hundred million dollars are again, they're being accused of like over of being of overly speculate of over speculation about this is a $200 million movie and it hasn't made $400 million. And I'm not entirely sure how you get to that. I don't know either. I'm saying that in the interest (laughs) of fairness here, like that there is counter talk about that. I hear you Fox news. I got it. Fair and balanced. Uh, the Fablemans dropped from seven, eight bones and all eight to nine, ticket to paradise, nine to 10, which is now on PBOD, by the way, um, hit the second case debut at number 11, the quintessential quintuplets movie debut at number 12, she said, uh, drop from 11 to 13. Bomb. Mm-hmm. Hell, fine. Should have just gone straight to Netflix. You know, that's the thing about Strange World, for the record. In a logical world, that never has a has a wide release, and they just put it on Disney+. Plus. 
Lilac, Crocodile fell from 12 to 14. That's currently on Netflix, I believe. Uh, the Chosen, 10 to 15. The Banshees of Inisherin maintained at 16. Pray for the Devil dropped from 15 to 17. Oh. Smile, 14 to 18. Tar, also, I think, going to be one of the on the short list for Best Picture nominee. That, yeah, that, that's going to be one of those. Mm-hmm. The Inspection, 20 to 21. Uh, other debuts this week were Spoiler Alert, 21. The Eternal Daughter, 26. Decibel, 29. Hunt, 30. For Spoiler alert, unfortunately, is also getting raked over the coals, but there's also a lot of backlash. It's a story, it's a biopic about a gay romance, and a lot of people are saying, it's like, it didn't make money because they weren't ready for a gay story, And other, but critics are saying, no, it didn't make money because it just wasn't that good. It was very cliche. Um, yeah, Bro's got a very similar thing where it was just like, oh, look, it's a big thing for like you know the LGBTI community, yes, but it also sucked. Yeah, it's like, um, look, we're happy to support the LGBTQI community in movies. Just make better movies. Yeah, um, you know what? Make movies that don't suck. That's all I I, uh, I didn't put it on my top 10, but it was really good. And Sean and I had high praise for it. Uh, Fire Island. Well, that went straight to Hulu. It was an LG that was a queer okay. movie. And it was fantastic. It was worth, okay. worth a watch if you're up for it. Um, I, I, I say I didn't get a chance to see it, but you're right. I did hear good things about that. Yeah, Sean and I gave it high praise. So you can make a queer movie and it'd be good. Um, and it just doesn't have to get credit for being queer. Lowndes County and the Road to Black Power, Framing Agnes, like you do. Reflections of a Broken Memory, Tantra, and that is the weekend that was currently worldwide. Or a bunch of movies that sucked. Um, Top Gun, yeah. not that one. Jurassic World, Doctor that Strange, one. Minions, The Batman, Thor. All right, Black Panther, currently sitting at $734 million, just under Thor at seven sixty, which is just under the Batman what? at seven seventy. Again, I'm going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. There's a decent chance Black. There's a d- decent chance Wakanda Forever does not do better than Love and Thunder. And Love mm-hmm. and Thunder, if you again, if you pay attention to this, Love and Thunder radically underperformed. Like Doctor yes. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness did about as well as it was ever going to do. It almost hit a billion dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, no, it should have been north of a billion, but it wasn't like it was gonna do like you know Avengers numbers. Um, all right, Watergate Bridge is still at number eight. Fantastic Beast is number nine. Sonic at number 10. Uh, currently, the movie's doing better than Morbius. <laughs> Uncharted, Black Adam, Elvis, The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Too Cool to Kill, Smile, Nice View, DC League of Super Pets, The Lost City, and Nope. Um, See, and this these... is why Morbius had to be our number one worst movie of the year, because you won't drop that joke. We're, we're still... Nope. He's got a couple of more weeks to still milk it out, so... Yep. These cur- these movies from, from up to number 30 cur- didn't even do as good as Morbius. One Piece, Ticket to Paradise, The Black Phone, Where the Crawdads Sing, currently on Netflix, Scream, Death on the Nile, Halloween Ends, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and that's all you got. All right. You want to scroll down until you find uh, Strange World? It's funny. Oh, uh, the movie RRR sitting at number 32. That was also a movie that popped up on a lot of people's best movies of 2022. That, uh, that That was so good, and people had such fun with it that the pitch meeting guy did one for it. If you're down for you have to understand 54. The Holy cow. Yep. Yeah. We it, it's <laughs> lower than marry me. It's lower than ambulance. It did it's just l- a little bit better than pause of fury. Yikes. Very it's doing yikes. worse than the menu. Where are you um, say, Robert? It, menu had a lower release. And still, if you if your wide release Disney animated feature is doing worse than the menu, you have failed miserably. No um, I was going to say about RRR, if you're 
if you've got the kind of if you have to understand the sensibilities of some Hindu filmmaking, like there's some stu- there's some cultural differences there. But if you're willing to take the ride, it's really good. All right. Um, this weekend, December 9th, we have Father Stew, which is being re-released and uh, wide release. We have Empire of Light in wide release. And that's about it. Um, really, and the whales out there, which is getting good reviews, but it's also in limited release. We do. Uh, need, I think I'm say we're. I'm predicting we're going to need to watch that in January for our uh, yeah I awards baits uh, right. segments. So this weekend, um, not a whole lot. So which means that Black Panther has another free weekend to make its money before it has to go up against Avatar: The Way of the Water, which comes out December 16th, and that's kind of it. I mean, you have Puss in Boots, which is December 21st. You have Babylon, which is on our review oh. list, and I want to dance with somebody, which is going to be over Christmas. But that's kind of it for the year, folks. It's like Avatar and Babylon, and then we're done. I will say uh, the animation reviewers I know who saw Puss, an early release of Puss in Boots are saying it's actually pretty good. I'm sure story. it is. I just don't know how competitive it's going to be. And as, far, and as far as, you know, talking about Black Panther and Avatar, I don't, you know, it, it's those are the, the, closing out the year. Those are the movies to beat. We're going to review Babylon. I, I've already got plans to see it. But I don't even know how you'll well it's be. Yeah, look, that's the kind of movie where you'll be scraping up my brains when we're done talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, folks, this is Robert Winfrey signing off. Every trailer I've seen for that movie has made me want to watch it less. <laughs> All right. Uh, and with that, folks, here is the critical review. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, well, the critics gave it a 71. They were like, yeah, it's fine. The audience really liked it, though. Audience is like us. right. Yep. Violent Night isn't as wildly entertaining as its concept might suggest, but for those seeking harder edge holiday fare... It might be a ho ho whole lot of fun. Uh, for Christmas, I would like someone to drop a brick on the writer of who does these at Rotten Tomatoes. It, yeah, anyone who does, anyone who makes those stupid puns, like somebody who knows them, needs to hit them in the head with a wiffle bat, preferably one full of wet sand. Mark, you didn't catch our critical review of uh, Strange World, did you? I have not. There was a to couple yet, of no. times where both Zach and I kind of ducked in horror because we knew how robert was gonna react perfect uh dan guy of chicago daily herald big on gore but not much more Boo. Yeah, again i think that misses uh, there's an emotional heart to this I, i'm not calling this the most emotional thing you'll ever see but there's a definite core of humanity about like rediscovering you know who you are and your faith in yourself and your purpose yeah. in life that Again, is this, you know, subtle? Is this masterful? No, but it exists and it's effective and it deserves to be acknowledged. And saying that there's nothing but gore to be found here is not accurate. Yeah. And there's also the humor. We talked about how funny a lot of these jokes were. It's like, it's Uh, not just gore. There's also a lot of really great laugh out loud moments. Yep. Keith Garlington of Keith at the movies and the movies. The movie mostly seems interested in pushing its R rating and loses itself in that relentless pursuit. It'll be a blast for some, but for those who burn out on its gimmick, I can see it being an endurance test. What's the gimmick? That it's Santa and he's killing people? I I can see the point he's trying to get at, even if I disagree with it. Um, again, if nothing that 
if the um, if the kind of if the humor doesn't land for you in this movie, like you're gonna be in for a rough night. Like if yeah. the, if you don't find this funny, and again, I did. Fair play. But if this isn't your type of humor, that's a that's a rough right. that's a rough movie. I'm gonna read one more of these, and we're gonna call it a night, unless I can find our friend. Uh, just because um, I gotta run, I gotta run to the bathroom real quick. But Brian Egger, deep focus review. Ricola never quite resolves whether he's riffing on Christmas movies or delivering something genuine, and the uneven result doesn't work. Okay, I again, I get the point that you're trying to make. I don't think it's accurate to say like your confusion about it is not the same as the director's confusion. The director's not that confused about what he's doing here. He's not riffing on other Santa movies in the same way that you might think he is. All right. Kevin Carr, a fat guy the, at the movies. For the record, Alexis was insistent that we find Kevin Carr when we talked Strange World, so we did get to bully him while you were not here. Well, okay. it wasn't really a bully because we agreed with him, remember? A he little bit. was on our side. All right. It's a fun and brutal holiday romp with a great performance by David Harbour, but it doesn't quite reach the level of peak action it promises. Okay. I can... Go ahead and do your thing and then go into plugs. I got to be right back. I can see a little bit of the point there. Like, there's some good action sequences, but a lot of the stuff in the barn in particular, um, it's cut a lot. And a lot of what they're doing is designed to hide the fact that it's not David Harbour doing a lot of those fights. Um, which, you know, it, it's fine. Like, if he's not available or if he doesn't have the physical capability of doing what's demanded of him there. Well, I'm not, he's not, not a professional stuntman, and there were a couple of shots. It was clear that they needed yeah. a professional stunt worker to wield Mr. Sledgy on the bad guys. Those yeah. are some pinpoint moves. Yeah, and again, like I, I don't begrudge that, but that's just part of making a movie. It is. I think my gripe with it is just that, like that one in particular, it's very obvious. There's other sequences where they're able to hide it a little bit better. That one, in, again, that one in particular is like, well, everything's going to be lit from the top down, and there's not going to be a lot of light in general, and we're never going to see anyone's face. And we thank very much the stunt act, the stunt double for Mr. Harbor, for doing all that, for doing all the quality work there. So again, I kind of get it, and there's not a lot of big action set pieces as far as this movie goes. Like, there's a couple of smaller explosions, but that's kind of it. So if you're looking for something with a little bit more spectacle, and a little bit more spectacle at the end wouldn't have hurt, to be candid. Uh, this doesn't quite stick the landing in that respect, so I get the point that's going on there. So, Alexis, why don't you do your plugs while we're waiting for Mark? All right. Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. Uh, we still got time uh, if you want to uh, check out our Etsy and Handmade at Amazon shops for uh, all your Christmas needs. And a reminder that our charity drive is still going on. For every order that is placed from either shop, we will be donating $5 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. That uh, charity drive ends at midnight on Christmas Eve. Uh, quick reminder also, we ship everything via USPS. Uh, we will get everything out on time with our shipping deadlines. But it, the USPS Postal Service is still horribly understaffed right now. And obviously, they're getting time crunch with everyone shipping everything off over the holidays. So if you're at all worried, do not wait till shop. Do not wait to shop at the last minute. Okay, because I'm just going to be blunt. I don't want to get yelled at because you waited and some 
poor postal worker is hand delivering gifts on Christmas Eve, walking in the snow. Not my fault. Yeah, the, look, the USPS is, uh, it is what it is in some respects at this point. Well, they have done very good work for us, and we st- we do stand by the United States Postal Office. We do. Uh, again, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, like, in totality or whatnot. Like, there's worse. There's worse. Okay, fine. How about this? If I went with FedEx or UPS, shipping would be doubled. Yeah, that, again, like, to everyone out there. That's why, like you, you might get better handling of your stuff with UPS, but that, that takes extra time and that means it takes extra money. So you get to decide if you want it, you, you know, be grateful for your prices. It's yeah. Kind of the long and the short of that. I was going to say, I mean, thankfully upcycling game pieces into jewelry and manage, we managed to keep our overhead pretty low shipping. We're kind of locked into what we've got. But anyways, shipping, shipping, you're at the vulnerability and kind of the whims of the shipping gods. And they're still the shipping apocalypse was a thing that is still kind of ongoing. It is. But anyways, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and um, <clears throat> sorry, choke there under duress Twitter. Again, that's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. Well, to answer the question that is currently under Mark's visage, uh, Mark, you're about to do your plugs. Terrific. Jerks. Um, was that you who did that? Why am I here? I have no at... access to any of that. I was so gonna say that I do you think? Think? Yeah. Okay. Oh, just, just, just chicken. <laughs> that, that was Giuseppe over there. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Giuseppe. Nobody right, here well, but Giuseppe. chickens. <laughs> All right. Well, Giuseppe did a review of Andor last night. I don't know if she told you about that. No, uh, I just did the plug where I actually pay the plugs for what actually pay my bills. Um. So this Thursday, we'll have uh, Jeff Slobodo from the MCU's Bleeding Edge, Jesse from uh, Source Material, and Robert Cooper from whatever damn podcast he chooses. We'll be doing episode two of the Whiskey Rebellion. We're going to be talking... You're putting uh, Jeff and ooh, Jeff and Jesse on the same podcast. That's a spicy choice. That's, a, that's, that's, that's how the first one went. And then and like I was going to rotate the fourth chair, but Jeff's like, no, nah, I'm staying. I'm like, all right, colonizer. Jesse um, uh, managed to hold his own when he he came on to join us for the She-Hulk commentaries. Dude, Jesse knows his stuff. Jesse's awesome. Jesse um, was the only other person who knew who Leapfrog was. So anywho, um, the topics on this week's Risky Rebellion are going to be, uh, since it's our Christmas episode, 52 unique Christmas gifts. We're going to go through a list that I found. Uh, second segment is going to be my advice to polyamorous men, what I've learned this year. Um, since... Because I <laughs> don't <laughs> run, <laughs> don't get married at all. Um, no, uh, that's, that's had, not what I said. <laughs> no, well, I've had a bunch of guys, uh, including my girlfriend's husband, um, in one way, shape, or form, reach out to me about like, you know, how to how to survive this. And I have, you know, good and bad experiences this year that I can share. And I figured I'd spend some time just kind of talking about it. I'm in a better place with it now, and. Um, I kind of want to get some of this off my chest. So, and I and Jeff revealed that he's ethically non-monogamous too. So, I'm sure he'll tell people how if they if you know, Is, I'm sure he'll have pearls of wisdom that'll be awesome on TikTok I, to share. I could say something very unkind. I'm sure you can. <laughs> um, and in our third segment, speaking of Jeff, we're going to talk about how woke killed Marvel. It'll be fantastic. Uh, next week, Zachary Strobel will be back. Uh, well, this weekend rather. Um, we will have uh, this weekend will be our re-airing of our Fuller House season two 
review that we did a few years back. That's from the our old Ar- Block Talk Radio archive. We're going to re-air it for the first time on W2M. It'll be fantastic. And then Monday, on a special episode of Damn You Hollywood, since I will be gone Tuesday, I'll be at a concert, uh, we'll be doing Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and Zachary Strobel will be back to join us. So that'll be fun. We're closing um, out the year of the wooden puppet. And then on Thursday, we've got a double shot for you. First, during the day, um, Adrian Wagner will be back. She's my old boss. She did the uh, Michael Pollan documentary with me, both Cooked and How to Change Your Mind more, more recently. And she had so much fun. And she actually, after the third try, made it to the podcast that she decided to come back. So she is um, the gravitational pull of the bla- that is our black hole. Yeah, so, I still um, say it's a cult. Although, you know, instead of having to deal with you fucking children, your stupid like Marvel and Star Wars shows, this adult is going to review an adult television show with me. And it's going to be fantastic. We're going to review Dope Sick from Hulu starring Michael Keaton about the opioid ep- epidemic, how Oxycontin ruined this country. It really so, did. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm actually about halfway through Dope Sick now. It's a fantastic show. It's going to be a great conversation. Um, a less than great conversation, but a lot of fun still. Will be uh, Jason Teasley and I talking the four Anaconda movies. <laughs> I forgot there was a fourth. I, yep. I knew that. I knew the three. I forgot number four. Everyone, um, you don't forget the fourth. You push it out of your brain. So there was a discussion of whether or not we should do Anaconda versus. I'm just gonna let it hang there. Um, <laughs> we, there's a discussion of whether or not we should do Anaconda versus Lake Placid. So instead. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to do the Lake Placid series sometime next year. And then later in the year, we're doing three. We're going to do a triple feature of three versus movies. It's going to be the Lake Placid versus Anaconda, Freddy versus Jason. And then I think the other one was like one of the weird Amazon Prime, like mock, you know, mockbusters. Um, something like Mega Dinosaur versus Dino Croc or some shit. I'm fairly sure you can find a sci fi one that's like Megalodon versus Sharktopus. Yes, yeah. that's it. Sharktopus versus Werewolf. That's the one. I Can't didn't even know that. that one existed. It yeah, exists. we were we were looking for a good third one, and we were like, "That's the one. That's the money shot." Mark saw uh, and decided that's it. Yep. And then um, the following weekend, we'll re-air our Die Hard: Long Road to Ruin in two parts. We have the first three movies, and then the last two. And that'll be Saturday the seventeenth, and then Sunday the eighteenth. And that's all for me. Thanks. I'm driving. All right, folks. Um, uh, you're. Did you do your plugs, Robert? No, so I'll do mine very briefly. Go ahead. Well, folks, in addition to doing this lovely show where I get to yell about movies, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts action for 411mania.com. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, and a news that broke earlier today, actually. Hopefully, um, MLW, one of their uh, top, one of their upper tier guys, uh, Richard Holiday revealed that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma, so mm. hopefully he's able to kick cancer's ass because cancer sucks. I cover MLW stuff on Thursdays, so whatever comes out this week, and WWE SmackDown on Friday. Had a good couple of shows. Uh, I also cover the UFC stuff when it happens on Saturday. This Saturday is UFC 282. The Slapdash patched together final pay-per-view of 2022. If you want a full preview of that, the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast would be your place to go. I host that on Sunday evenings. There's apparently a minor audio glitch in this one that I was not aware of, and I might have been an issue with the uploading because I haven't seen it on the uh, audio file when I look at it. But I think like around the 51-minute mark, there's about a minute of silence that I 
can't account for. So I apologize. But that's a review of last week's event, uh, UFC on ESPN 42, which had a couple of really fun fights, and a preview of UFC 282, such as it currently exists. And in fact, it's already shifted because we lost Robbie Lawler. He got injured. Oh. So oh. now San- now Santiago Ponzinibbio will be fighting Alex Morono. God bless you. I did not sneeze at all. You racist. <laughs> Morono is American and Ponzinibbio is Argentinian slash Brazilian. So. You do and you clean it up. <laughs> you are dude do you want me to sit here and tell you how to actually pronounce Yuri Perhaps no please god no some of us have places to go yeah some people to so, do you wish mark <laughs> no i don't actually <laughs> good i got you to admit it <laughs> all right so that's where you can find me doing other stuff uh mark mentioned it but next monday <laughs> will be our review of pinocchio so that'll be fun. That comes out Friday, and we're reviewing it Monday. I will have to squeeze in some time to watch it between now and then, but that I should be able to make that work. And yeah, as the year wraps up, we thank you all for sticking with us. We look forward to everything that comes in the future, including three Me. hours of Avatar, followed by three hours of Babylon. Oh, wait, I don't have to sit at the review of uh, Avatar. I have a brain. I got out. Or Babylon. Well, you didn't invite me on to Babylon, so. I don't invite you to any of these. You have to ask. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Mark's new open. Mark's policy is a little bit more open door. He no longer sends out invitations. He just took down the neon sign that said, please enter here. And is now like, well, you know, if you happen to stumble along and fall into it, I'll let you say. If you knock on the door and say. If you knock on the door and say the password, I'll let you in the juke joint. Let me in, you idiot. Can we wrap this up? My dogs need to go outside. Ladies All and right. gentlemen, thank That's you for, for us. Thank you for joining us here in Damn You Hollywood. For Robert Winfrey, for Alexis Anna, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe. And be-